Well, good morning, good afternoon, wherever it is that you are or whenever it is that you're watching this. It really is a pleasure to be able to come and do this and to come to this place and with, with the ease of technology that wasn't easy at all today. Um, I feel like the more we, we try and make this easier, the harder it gets. But I just really felt that on my heart this morning as we were worshipping that, that this, guys, this isn't another production. And as we were sitting there this morning, as we were talking between ourselves and bickering backwards and forwards about sound and technologies and different things, my heart just began to ache because I don't think that's what God wants us to be doing in this time. I don't think that this is about who has the best production and who doesn't. I don't think this is about the best things that we can put forward. This is about being a people, being able to remain in His presence and remain coming before Him. I don't want these to just be, this is your Sunday morning service because as Christians, that's what we have to do. That's not what, what God wants us to do. I want these times, the reason that we are coming before with worship, that we're still trying to bring a word, is to encourage all of us into a deeper relationship and deeper discipleship with Him. At the moment these videos stop doing that, the moment these videos become another thumbnail like on Netflix, another, another movie, another ad, we're wasting our time and we're not going where we're supposed to be going. I truly believe that as, as, as the church comes out of this time, out of this COVID-19, this, this lockdown and this shutdown, if we don't come out changed, if we don't come out reformed, if we don't come out stronger, then all of this was for nothing. We have to, as a people, learn how God to come back to you, come back to you, come back to you. During the week, Jess and I were watching a movie and we were watching Save it Private, Saving Private Ryan and there's a, a scene where the sniper, where, while he's shooting, he continually... Uh, speaks a, a Bible verse over and it's Psalm 91 and I want to I preach from there this morning and this afternoon because I think that it's something that we've misunderstood, it's something that we're not seeing but the point for this, the very reason that I want to go here is because it directs us back into the fortress of the Father, back into the safety and the protection but it's a job that we have to do. We have to learn how to go back to that place and continually go back to that place that right now in your homes, you have the option to choose to whether or not to be in His presence or to not be. It doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that because you're not here in the building, in the four walls, that the presence of God can't come and be with you. We've heard story after story. We see all through the Scriptures where the power of God touches people in the most unlikely ways when people are on their own, when people are walking, when people are least expectant, that if our heart is desiring to see Him, then He will reveal Himself to us. So it's about the posture of my heart to position myself to say, God, I want to see You in every moment. I want to be with You in every moment. And in that place, He reveals Himself to us. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. For those of us who will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. That word dwell, it means to be, to go to a place habitually, 
to remain in a place, to inhabit a place. To dwell means to go there often and to stay in that one place. It doesn't mean to go there once and in a blue noon, moon every now and again. It means to inhabit, to stay, to become habitually, make it a habit that I stay in that place. For those who dwell, who habitually stay in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. To see ourselves delivered from the snare of the fowler and be removed from the deadly pestilence, we must go before Him habitually. We must make it a habit of remaining before Him. We must inhabit the place in which He is all the time, not just once every now and again. There's a guy named Kevin Zadai. He said, we need to go as a people from visitation to habitation. From, from, from stop trying to get a visit from God to actually ha- habitating, remaining in the place of which he is. What we've tended to do in the Western world, in the, in the, in the culture of Sunday morning church, is that we've said, on Sunday morning I want to go because hopefully I will get the presence of God while I'm there. We want, a, we want a visitation from God. But where we ought to be as a people is living in a place where God has made you His habitat. He is in you all the time. I've preached about that before, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of God, the Almighty. That He is in us. He's, he's made a home in us at our salvation. That we get to have that place all of the time. We have to learn how to become a people that aren't just Sunday morning followers of Christ, but are everyday followers of Christ. A people who habitate all the time. That we strengthen our relationship, that we trust that God is who He is and we become disciples of Him, not just when it suits us, but all the time. We go before Him and we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. A shadow is only cast when something is in front and the shadow is cast behind. So to dwell in the shadow of God means that He is standing in front of us. That when we go into a battle, when we go into war, when we go into a comfortable place, He goes before us to ensure that the place we're going is where He wants us to go. To remain in His shadow means to remain in behind Him and allowing Him to make the decisions and the directions of which we take. When we dwell, when we dwell Staying in there, habitually going to in the shelter of the Most High. We come in behind Him and we rest as He leads the way. We must position ourselves tightly in behind God and let Him lead us as a people. But in order to do that, we have to habitually go. Every day, every morning, we arise and we arise with the idea of God. I'm coming to habitate with you. I'm coming to remain with you. I'm going to stay with you. I want to be with you every minute of every hour of every day. Psalm 91 continues on 4 to 6 and it says this, He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shelter, a sh- sorry, a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. He will cover you with his pinions. A pinion is a flat feather on the bird. It's the tallest, longest feather on the wings of a bird. And it says that under his wings we will find refuge. Under his wings we will find refuge. I always 
wondered about this verse, does God have wings? How can we hide under the coverage of God's wings if he doesn't have wings? We don't see anywhere else that he has wings. But there's an understanding that the Jews carried, which I'm going to explain in a moment, that showed the fact that the wings of God were the very covering and a place that we need to go to habitually and stay because it's in that place we'll find shelter from the things that are taking place in a world around us. Psalm 91.6 says that the, the, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel like this, this COVID-19 is this boogie monster that kind of exists and kind of doesn't exist, that it's, it's out there and we can't really see it. We don't know when it's striking or how it's striking. It's kind of stalking in the night. That you kind, of, you kind of know somebody who has it and you kind of don't. It's kind of three or four ways around from your sphere. But that there is this scary thing that's, that's stalking and at any point that you make the wrong step, you can get sick and get ill. That's kind of what has been portrayed in the media. It's this, this pestilence that's stalking in the darkness. And as a people, to remain away from that pestilence, we have to keep going back, habitually dwelling in the shelter of God. We have to remember that the scriptures were not written, the scriptures were not written yesterday. They were not written in an Australian context. They were not written on the Gold Coast. They were not written on an iPad. They were written in an ancient Hebraic context, in a Jewish time with a, with a, a culture that is in somewhat um, nowadays misunderstood, mis- misrepresented. But I want to take a moment just to explain what it is that David's saying of how we can come under the wings of God, how it is that we can hide under His wings and in His protection. Numbers 15, if you've got a Bible and you, you want to just jump to Numbers 15, I'm going to read from there, 37 to 38. Numbers 15 Verse 37, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them and not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to our God. Why would I take you to Numbers to explain the understanding of the wings of God? Because that word corner in the Hebrew is the word kanaf. And the word kanaf means corner, border, hem, or wing. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. The word for tassel there is the word tzidzit. And both of these are important, the kanaf and the tzidzit. And they're both incredibly important because they both are on this garment that was worn by the Jewish people called a tallit. They would wear this garment every day, every moment of every day. They had two. They had a tallit katan, which was worn all day, and they had another one called a tallit gadal, which was worn during their prayer times. But every morning, a Jew would wake up and he would put on this garment. And he would wear it all day under his clothes, over his clothes, whatever it was that he was doing, he would wear this garment, just as it says there in Numbers, to make a garment and to have on the corners. This, this garment was a picture of the holy place. 
This reminded them of the veil that, that, that differentiated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. It was a veil that looked just like this, the tallit that they wore every day. What this was, was that because only one, only one rabbi could go into, only one priest could go into the place of the Holy of Holies, all of the Jews wanted something to remind them of the presence of God. They wanted something that reminded them of the fullness of God, even though they couldn't pass through it to go into the Holy of Holies. So every day they would wake and they would put this on as a reminder that the presence of God is with me every day. How does this piece of clothing remind you of God every day? Isaiah 61.3 says, We are given the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Romans 13 verse 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There was an understanding that you had to put on who God was, that every day, everywhere you went, He was with you and He was in the things that you were doing and the things that you were. In the Hebrew understanding, in the, in the ancient Jewish understanding, there was no word for spiritual, that one part of my life was spiritual while another part wasn't. There wasn't this thing where when they'd go to synagogue, that was the spiritual part of their day. Or when they went and prayed with their friends, that was them being more spiritual. They understood that they were spirit beings and that everything they did was done through either the spirit of light or the spirit of darkness. It wasn't some things were spiritual and some things weren't. Everything was spiritual and everything came from Yahweh God. They didn't have a Sunday morning service where for two hours they could be spiritual and then go home and go back to their lives until the next Sunday morning where they could have more spiritual in their life. They understood that the moment they opened their eyes, they were spiritual beings and they were image bearers operating in the fullness of God. Why is this so important? Because as a people, we have to start to understand that when you go to a restaurant, when we're allowed back to go to restaurants again, you're a spiritual being. When you speak to your wife, you're a spiritual being, image bearer of God. When you cut somebody off in, somebody off in traffic or they cut you off, you're a spiritual being, an image bearer of Christ. Everything you do carries the image of God in those times. There was four areas of the tallit of this garment that the Jews would remember every day. There was four areas. The first one was when they put it on. They would put the tallit on and it reminded them of the presence of God. They would wake up in the morning and they would put on the presence of God. All throughout their day, they wore the presence of God. The other thing that they had was this, this part on the corner, the tzidzit, carries five knots. Each knot represents a book in the Torah Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had the presence of God. They also had the Word of God every day. The spaces between the knot have the, the letters for a name, Yahweh. Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. It was the presence of God. It was the Word of God. It was the name of God, Yahweh. There was a, a rabbi that uh, I heard about from, from a guy named Shane Willard. And he said that the, the, the representation in the Hebrew for the letters Y-H-W-H are the words Yad-Heh-Vav-Heh. 
yad hey, vav hey. And they represent the way that we breathe. When we breathe in, yad. When we breathe out, hey, va, hey. Yad, hey, va, hey. Why is this important? Because the first thing a baby does when it enters the world is that it breathes in and it breathes out. It breathes in and out the name of Yahweh. And when a person leaves the the world, they take their very last breath. They express the name of Yahweh. Yad, hey, va, hey. It was the presence of God. It was the word of God. And it was the name of God. And the final thing that they carried with them every day was the, the tassels intertwined carry 613 loops to make these tassels. 613 loops. There are exactly 613 commands in the Torah. They understood every single command in the Torah that they were to follow. But the beautiful thing about this is that it ends in eight strands. It ends in eight, the number of God's grace. That even though there were 613 commands to fulfill, there's 613 commands to, to, to follow and to copy, they remembered that it ended with the goodness and the grace of God. It was the presence of God. It was the word of God. It was the name of God. And it was the ways and the grace of God of God. You see, every moment they awoke, every day, everywhere they walked, they carried the fullness of God. They understood the fullness of God. They didn't live their life from one spiritual place to the next. They didn't live their life from a Sunday morning to a Thursday night prayer time. They lived their life as followers, image bearers of Christ. And that's what God is calling us, His people, to at a time like this. That when they put this garment on, they would take the cord and they would wrap it around their hands like this. And every day when they reached to grab something, when they, when they would grab something to drink or when they, would, when they would reach down to help somebody or when they would pray, it always was done through the areas of God, through His presence, through His Word, in His name and in His grace. It was done all the time because it was wrapped around their hands in everything they did in order to act outside of the will of God, they had to physically remove themselves from the things of God before they could reach out and do something that wasn't of Him. You see, we've, we've used the grace of God to think that, that we can just walk around and do whatever it is that we like, but He's calling us to a place of pure hands, uh, clean hands and pure hearts. He's calling us to a place to operate in His name, to be image bearers of Him, to carry the very thing we were always designed to carry and to live a life that we wear Him in everything that we do. He's in us, He flows through us, He's on us and the power that He gives us and allows us to step into that when we operate in His presence, when we understand His words, when we know the power and the glory of His name, and when we can understand the fullness of His grace and who it allows us to be, we become a people that is powerful and a people that can go out and change the nations like we were always meant to do. He will cover you with His pinions and under His wings you will find refuge. Under the place of God, we will find His refuge under His presence, under His Word, under His name and under His grace. We will find refuge 
in the shelter of the Almighty, when He becomes King, when He becomes Lord of our life, when He becomes everything that we are and He leads the way, we find a refuge in the shelter of Him because He's the one in front. Wherever you want me to go, Lord, wherever it is you're leading me, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're the one that's in front because I'm hidden in the shadow of you because you are the Almighty. You are the one in which I worship. You are the one in which came and died and rose again, ascended into heaven and has a plan to consummate the age. Malachi 4.2 Malachi 4.2 But for who? But for you who fear my name the sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. The sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. Have you ever wondered why when David finds Saul, he's been running and he, and he comes across Saul when Saul's in the cave and he comes across Saul and Saul's uh, using the bathroom. David goes and he cuts off the corner of his robe. What he was saying to Saul was, Saul, you are acting in a way that's outside of God. He removed the tzitzit from his garment. He removed the remembrance of the presence and the word and the name and the grace of God from his garment because he's saying you're acting outside of the ways of God. Or in Matthew 9, 20, when the, when the lady with the issue of blood, she reaches out for the fringe of Jesus' garment with all that she has in her, an unclean one reaches out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Why? Because she knew Malachi 4.12, that the righteous son shall rise and in his wings will be healing, in the wings of his garment, in his understanding of standing in the fullness of God, in the shadow of the Almighty, there would be healing in his wings. So she reaches out and she touches the hem and she's healed. Because she understood that the righteous one knew the position. She, she knew that he had a position of God that was always in the shadow of the Almighty. He habitually dwelled in the presence of God and he could operate in the fullness of his glory and his power because there was healing in his wings because he understood the fullness of God. He understood the presence of God the Word of God, the name of God, and the grace of God. She was healed because she knew who He was. The end of Psalm 91, 7 to 16 says this, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to before you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. 
you will trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So how do we stay away from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence? We hold fast to him. We know his name. We call to him. In all that we do, we remember him. Just like the Jews did every day, we put on his presence. We come into that place of presence. We read and we live out his word. We know his name and we operate in its power and we apply the grace of God to our lives every day. You see, we have the option to step away from the pain and the suffering that this COVID-19 is carrying, that the illnesses and the sicknesses that will come, that the storms that will come in your life, the things that will struggle, uh, be a struggle to you. We have the option to continually, habitually go and hide in the place of God. that He gives us the tools, He gives us the weapons every day to stay in His presence, to stay in His Word, to know His name and operate in its power and to understand His grace. He's given it all to us, but we get to make the choice. We get to decide where we stand. We get to decide if we hold fast to Him. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Because you have made He will not force you into his dwelling place. We have to decide to go habitually, make a habit of it every day, every moment to dwell in that place, to come before him. What does it look like? It looks like this, going into his presence, quietening yourself and asking him to speak. God, reveal yourself. Show me who you are. Show me more of your goodness, more of your greatness, more of your holiness, Lord. Quieten your soul. Turn off the things around with you. Take a moment and ask him to speak. We read and live his word. Don't just read. Don't just flip through this this book to get through it in a year or to get through it in a month. Read. Stop. Ask God, what are you saying? Read it again. Read it again. Read it again and again and again until it starts to make sense. Until it starts to actually tick over in your mind. Know his name and operate in his power. I can't trust somebody without relationship with them. I can put faith in them. I can be blindly saying, I hope he doesn't do the wrong thing. But the more I begin to know somebody, the more I begin to walk with them, the more I spend time with them, the more trust I can give, the more trust I can give. It's the same in the way we relate with God. The more time we spend with him, the more we get to know him, the more we understand who he is, the more we give him our trust. We give him everything that we have. Because we begin to understand he is the one who's for me. There are no others against me. He is the one who died for me. Lord, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. More and more and more and more we step into. I love that story I've heard so many times of Smith Wigglesworth when he was praying and one by one people had to leave the room as he was praying because the presence would get so thick and thick and thick that only only, uh, Smith could begin to, to, to stand in the fullness of that because he had been there before. 
It wasn't that he was better or more chosen than the others, but it was that he worked his way up more time in the presence, more time in the presence, more time in the presence, that it got to a place that he was, he was in so much of who God was that the others couldn't stand it. Because they didn't take the time in that. And finally, apply the grace of God to our lives. Apply the fullness of the grace of God to your life. Your life has been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. He has forgiven all that was in the past. It's not remembered as far as the east is from the west. He saved you. You were worth saving. And he's bringing you into a place. He loves you. And he wants you to know who you are, who he says that you are. Because in that place, you can be powerful and you can step into all that he has for you. Know who God's made you to be. Know who he thinks you are. Know that he's not angry with you. That even when you stuff up, he forgives you. He leads you back to the place you need to be. Every day of our life, we need to remember, come into his presence, read and live his word, know his name and operate in its power and apply his grace to our lives. This is not something that we should all run out and buy because it's the only thing that will bring us into his presence. No, this was a picture a representation of the things that we have to remember. We don't need this garment in order to step into those things, but we have to remember it in our head and our heart. We have to remember that our heart, the way God's leading us through our spirit, is allowing us to come into the fullness of that. But the more we go, the more we operate in Him, the more we actually step into what it is He has for us, the more we can see His kingdom come, we can see His glory revealed and His will being done. I hope this has been encouraging. I hope you've got something to take away. Please don't let this just be another sermon. Please don't let this just be another another production that you can flip through. Take those four things. His presence, His word, His name, and His grace. Take those four things and apply them to your life. Pray about them. Go back to Psalm 91. Read through it. Ask God to reveal to you what the words really mean. And step in to the things that he has for you. I'm just going to pray and then we can end. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, I honor you. I glorify your name. You are the Holy One, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I declare your name right now, Jesus, as King in this city, in this nation and in the nations. You are king and you reign, Lord. We love you. You are beautiful. You are magnificent. The ancient of days. The holy one. The glorious one. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just begin to work in our hearts. Lord, anything that I've said that's not of you, make it fall away. Make it fall to the ground. But anything, Lord, that you wanted to say here, anything that you wanted to get across, Lord, may it burn in our hearts, set us on fire, and give us the strength and the tools to go the way you want us to go, to see your kingdom come, your will be done right here on earth, Jesus. We thank you for everything that you've given us, for all the things you are already providing for us. 
And I pray, Lord, right now as people are in their homes, in front of their computers, watching this on their phone, Lord, that you right now just begin to touch people, reveal your heart, reveal your goodness, Lord, reveal your word and your presence, your name, Jesus, and your grace. Just begin to reveal it right now in people's hearts. God, we love you. We honor you. And Jesus, I ask that you give us the bride, your church, your ecclesia, the ones you've called out, who gather together, that when we leave this place of lockdown, when we leave this place and we're able to go back into our lives, that we don't go back to business as usual. We don't go back to the same old, same old. That we go back, Lord, with a a fresh vision, a fresh desire, a fresh understanding of how to see your kingdom come and how to see your glory being done right here, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven in the way that you want it to be done here. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. And in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. I hope that was helpful. I hope that, that there's things that you can take away from that. Please remember to be calling people. Reach out to the guys that are in your community group, in your threes. Be blessed and we'll be chatting with you on the Zooms and the Skypes, the interwebs later on in the week. Love you guys.